Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowRoom.com. In this week's episode of Grow Guides, we're talking about the benefits of UV lighting with your cannabis grow. Now, to be real, we don't know much about UV lights in the panel because none of us have ever used UV lights in our grow. But we explain what we can in a basic way so you can get a basic understanding of what is going on with UV and cannabis plants. But as I say, we're not experts on this. We're just putting across our opinions and we give a basic rundown of what UV lights are about. Now, we're coming to the end of our depths of knowledge here when it comes to grow guys because we're on episode 80 now we've covered loads of different things all to do with growing cannabis so we need your help as the listeners of this show we're going to wrap up the grow guide series soon and maybe start all over again maybe do something else we still don't know which direction we're going to head in but if there's something you think we haven't covered yet that we can cover in a future episode of the grow guides then do feel free to get in touch and let us know about it because we don't want to miss anything out if you think that we've missed anything then please do let us know so we can cover it in one of the future episodes of grow guides before we go back to the beginning and start doing all of this again but anyway for now i'll remind you at the end of the episode about all of that but for now let's move on to this week's grow guides which is all about the uv lights so roll something nice get super high and enjoy this episode and i'll speak to you at the end of this see you in a bit So yes, we have episode 80 of the Grow Guides, and this time we're going to be speaking about the benefits of using UV lighting in your grow room. And that's the, the benefits it has on your plants. Does it produce more terpenes, more trichomes? Do the plants like it or hate it? Can it kill bugs? All sorts of these things is what we're going to be talking about during the Grow Guides today. So I think first off, has anybody ever used UV in their grow rooms? So what are you saying, Monkey? Um, no, actually, I have not used anything with UV on it. I'm completely using nothing but LEDs the entire time I've been doing it. Uh, some of my U- my LED sets have uh, I- infrared on it, but none of them have UV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, no, I have not used it. What about you, Bubble? Um, no, don't. not really. I don't. I mean, I know metal halides give off a UVB, um, but I've not intentionally used it mm-hmm. um so I, I just i i mean it i've just never seen a, a need for me to go down that route so mm-hmm. yeah it's a reasonably new thing but what you say marge because you've grown indoors and outdoors so when you're growing outdoors you're definitely including uv with your growth because that's part of the sunlight but what about uh indoors you ever done that no just oh. the all natural sunshine so do you notice a difference in the trichome production and terpene production of the outdoor plants compared to what you've grown indoors? Uh, yes, maybe not favorable <laughs> because I'd right. say my growing conditions here are not ideal. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're they're better if I can put some out of my dad's place, but um, they were not successful this year. So I just don't have like, a, I don't have an ideal backyard situation. We did take yeah. out some big shrubs in our front garden this year and i was just like you know what this would be perfect to put a weed plant 
next year. But I'm not mm. sure how the neighbors would feel about me growing a giant weed plant in the front yard. So <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> Do it and find out, right? Do it and find out. Just yeah, don't rely I mean, on it being there. What happen <laughs> is someone might rip it off, like dig it up and take it. But, you know, it would be, mm. it would be kind of fun to try. But long short answer, no, I'm not. Yeah, I've never used it either. It's it's one of those new things, and it not many people have come around to it yet. But there seems to be some science to say using UV uh, gives the plants more uh, more trichomes and more terpenes, which is something that we're all looking for when we're growing the cannabis. But yeah, never actually seen it firsthand. But I've heard it can do good things, and allegedly this is because the the trichomes are are produced as like. Um, a defense mechanism to when the UV light's coming from the atmosphere, it's going to zap your DNA. And this happens to humans as well. This is why we get skin cancer when we have too much UV light blasted at us because it damages the DNA to the extent where it produces tumors. So when you're hitting plants with this, it's going to be doing the same kind of thing. It's going to be damaging its DNA. So to prevent so much damage, the plant produces these, these trichomes to protect its seeds from being zapped by UV. That's, kind of why plants especially cannabis plants produce uv to try and prevent its uv uh dna getting damaged which is interesting but it's a, a stress mechanism and this is one of the reasons why it produces more terpenes and trichomes apparently you know i haven't seen this firsthand yet so anything you do see is just uh you know somebody else's opinion and there's lots that can go into it so it's kind of like anecdotal at the moment like it hasn't mm-hmm. any, nobody's done like actual studies really? i guess yeah yeah, um, yeah but it's interesting man i think i might want to try doing some uv at some point but it's like uh you have to use a specific uv light and you can buy one from micro right you've seen uh, monkey you've seen the micro uv light yes. yeah i think tg yeah. had it it's basically just a bare bulb um on, on a socket it's not very fancy at all but it doesn't have to be fancy it's only there to produce a little bit of uv light for a little while during the day it doesn't even have to be on all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you only blast it for like 15, 20 minutes a day, right? I thought it was something like a couple of hours a day or something like that, but it's not not a full eight, 12 or anything like that hours. It's a short, relatively short period of time because mm-hmm. it is, uh, it's going to give you a sunburn if you're you're exposed to it for too long. So you don't want to be around this this type of a UV light. So it's, a, it's on a timer, and you, and you should have some kind of a situation in your tent to where you know it's on, and you switch it off before you open the tent, that kind of thing like that, just for safety's sake. Mm-hmm. It won't kill you, but, you know, hey, if something burns you, you probably shouldn't shouldn't be around it. So this could, this would be installed in conjunction with whatever other lighting system you have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's uh, usually installed above the other lighting system, and the reason, it like, in my grow, they're using, like, a bar-type system, so... They can install this and it sh- can shine. They can install it above the above the bars and it'll shine through the bars. And that's uh, the situation with, with the light that Migro, the supplemental light. It, sh- it works well with a bar light, but if you have a solid plate type light, like uh, like the HLG 600 has, mm-hmm. not a good, good match for that type of light. You have to get a different type of a UV in that situation or figure up a way to allow the light to still be mounted far enough away and give full coverage. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a bit of a, of a challenge, not not a completely easy thing to do with the UV, but it is definitely doable. There are a lot of solutions yeah. out there. It's definitely getting easier now. These bar lights are coming out because bar lights are reasonably new as well, and you'd be able to stick a little UV bulb in between 
those bulbs. They're probably already incorporating it into some grow light models, probably where you you've got the uh, the bar lights with a UV light down the middle of them or something, and they'll alternate or come on for 15 minutes a day. Lights are getting fucking complex now. It's very cool. It's good to see. Yeah. Well, the science LEDs that uh, who was it we were talking to about that? Marco. It's got science. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can you can tell the spectrum in some of those things. So yeah. Very cool, man. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely want to try it at some point. And you, you get the um, the ultraviolet, which is UV. What's the other one? You got the IR, the infrared as well. Right. Um, that can be incorporated into the plants easily, into the light easily. It seems if uh, that, that's done reasonably easy. But with the UV, that starts to get damaged in DNA, like you said. So you, you couldn't have that on for 18 hours. I don't think. I wouldn't say that's a thing unless you can get like really weak bulbs. You know anything about that? Anybody? Well, it's on all the time outdoors, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but is it a different, not, yeah, different amount, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it's it not the same the correct sort of amount. intensity. Yeah, the correct mm-hmm. amount has to be done if you can do it long term. Because mm-hmm. I think that the technology they have at the moment with the UV is similar to um, the bulbs that they're using in like the tanning beds and stuff like that. It is. So, yeah. The the problem with that is is that you know you can only really what sit in those in those things for an hour or so before you start becoming you know mm-hmm. cooked toast. So it's mm-hmm. like it's, it's probably not the best idea to be running your plants under that. It's just I think it's more more um, concentrated. Yeah, than they what have going to get from the sun. They have one level on. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly there's no yeah you can't sort of no half none of that just it's got yeah you can't it. dim it or anything like that so. and there's different types of uv uv as well you got uva and uvb and i think the plants use more uvb than uva but they still use both of that so and you can get these kind of lights from aquariums and stuff they're new to the grow shops you might be able to find them in the grow shops and check it out of course you can buy it online as well so yeah, check out uh, those lights. But again, only use them for 15 minutes. You'd be able to see the plant getting some kind of sunburn if it's on for too long. So you'll know if you're overdoing it, you know, maybe make your way up to 15 minutes, start for five minutes, then 10, and then 15 if the plant looks okay. That's what I'd probably do. So you can have your UVA, UVB light on and go into your room yourself naked and get a tan while you're at it. You That's might as well. You might make the most out of it. And then you're gonna know if this plant if it's too strong for your plant too, I suppose. <laughs> how how are, you, are these lights expensive? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the prices. They're not overly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can get. Uh, I know Spider Farmer does one, and it's like a hundred bucks or something like that. Okay. Australian, mm-hmm. so you know, ten, ten pounds, ten British pounds or something like that. Yeah, yeah, about ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, not yeah, expensive because, uh, you know, I've got a turtle as well, and that needs UVA and UVB. It needs both. So uh, you can get shit like that from the aquarium and, and things like the that. Micro, the micro is uh, 95 uh, euro, it says, for the right. UVB bulb. Mm-hmm. Or kit. I'm, just, I'm just curious. I was talking to TG early, but earlier today about this, and he was saying that he tried UV or UV lighting in a really small sample. Mm-hmm. a little while ago and he said he didn't really notice a huge difference between using it and not using it 
But I also pulled out my Cannabis Growers Handbook from Ed Rosenthal, and he does talk about it as well, saying that it affects the potency of UVB light affects the potency of high quality plants. Hmm. So you have to start out with good starting material, I suppose. But so he does have a note on using UVA and UVB light and how it can be beneficial. But I just wonder if at the end of the day, for most home growers, if it's worth the extra expense, like if you're going to notice anything substantial enough to justify worrying about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 If we just said here, I use the micro UV and it's recommended that you hang it 50 centimeters and it starts at 15 minutes in the middle of the cycle and builds up to a max of two hours if the plants are happy. So there, yeah, mm. nice one for that for each. That's how you'd use the micro UV. So mm. Go and check that out. Mm. Uh, what would you say? Yeah, like March said, it's not something that you should really worry about. When you've got your medium dialed in correctly and you give in the best of the nutrients and yeah, everything always goes super good with your grow and you, you think this is me producing the best quality cannabis I can produce right now. If you want to add something different to it, you know, add some UV, UV, UVB and UVA. And that should uh, do you pretty well. It might add a little bit of trichome production to it. You know, more flavor, more high and shit. But maybe, maybe, don't know. But definitely get everything. It's like, don't just grow shit plants and then add UV to it, thinking that it's going to turn them into fucking high times winners because that's not what's going to happen. You know, you still have to get the rest of it down. This is an additional thing you can do to your already nice plants. Yeah, kind of think of it sort of a little bit like CO2. You know, we don't yeah. recommend you jump mm-hmm. into that. This is all added on extra. If you feel like jumping down those rabbit holes, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've got everything else dialed in and you're sitting there going, well, I'm twiddling what else the thumbs, exactly. what else can I add? Yeah, you could go down this route. But again, as a home grower, I, I, I really don't think that it's going to, you're going to see um, or be able to differentiate the difference between what's grown with it and what's not. So, I mean, mm-hmm. but by all means, give it a go. Yeah, try it out. It's something, something, something different to try. I just don't think it's a major thing, and it? it's just just one of these small things that you can add on to the side of your grow if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely interesting. I want to give it a shot. I do. I, I mean, uh, I've only recently just gone back to Copo, so I want to get everything dialed in. But when everything's dialed in, I think I might get one of these UV lights, man, and see if it does make a difference. I mean, for a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, and you're not, not using it for the whole grow either, because it, it's a waste of time using it during the uh, veg stage, because you really want to focus on when it's producing the flowers and the trichomes. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you blast it with that and it triggers those those stress responses and pushes out more trichomes so you only need to use it through flower as well and like later stage of flower maybe but if it's only for fucking 15 minutes a day you know, might as well just flick it on right mm-hmm. you're talking yourself into it are you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think, I think i am it's just a simple addition isn't it it's just one of these things as long as you can time it correctly and you've got the the sockets for it and shit it's like why not man why not it's a reasonably cheap thing it's definitely cheaper than and easier than setting up a whole fucking co2 rig you know oh by far yeah, yeah by far okay. so it's, it's definitely an option if you're doing if you had if you've got a few grows on the about now and you, you know you're willing to take it a little bit further with some of the nice equipment i think this is one of these things that is definitely near the top of the list man Mm. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, for, uh, only the last four weeks. 
So, and Fritch is obviously using his. So, do you think it has made a difference to your plants there, Fritch? Let us ask you a question. You know, does it, has it made a difference from before you used it to using it now? Do we Sorry. now wait in silence for his response? No, no, we carry on with uh, <laughs> these questions. <laughs> His dead air is exactly what Mackie's hoping for. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Our viewers love dead air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just and free just replied. Don't we just edit it all out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, he, like he's on the phone to us or something. Uh, so what are the potential downsides of you using UV? I think one of the potential downsides is you are going to damage your plants. That's the whole idea of this, is to essentially give your plants some kind of suntan. So it's going to damage your plants. It just depends on what the uh, what amounts it damages the plant. You know, does it go from just a nice little golden brown suntan, or is it going to be you, you fucking got blisters growing? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. You know what extreme suntan is. You know, when <laughs> you get that fucking that bad burn. Some well, people know more than others. You know, it's, yeah, it's similar it's, to uh, the drought stressing a plant at the end of it. Yeah, you could really mess up and stress the hell out of it with a drought, or you can stress mm -hmm. it a little bit for the better. So, yeah, same thing we're talking about here is, yeah, it's going to stress your plant out, but you don't want to overstretch your plant. Now, I think this is different to most types of stress because most types of stress are, like, environmental. and mm -hmm. uh, But with the UV, it's because it's zapping the DNA, allegedly anyway, because they, they got, got that study from checking plants that were growing high up in the Himalaya, so they had less atmosphere, so more UV rays got to those plants at the top of the mountain, and then less trichomes were growing on the ones at like sea level, but weren't high up in the mountain. So more UV was getting to the ones higher up, and they were getting more frost compared to the ones lower down. Allegedly, I don't, you know, it could be just fucking cannabis law. You know how it goes, like oh, law yeah. L O R E, not L A W. It just uh, See, could I'm, be just one of those stories, man. I'm of the opinion that that's. Um, uh, there's a multiple reasons why that could be the case with them being mm -hmm. there. They're mm -hmm. at a higher altitude, so there's going to be a little bit less oxygen. Yes, you're going to be getting more radiation, but I just, I, I can't, you can't put it down to one thing that causes that, if you know what I mean. Definitely, I'll give you that because there's typically multiple factors multiplying and adding on that's that's why we have to learn how to grow plants in a tent it's not so natural because there's so many factors in the play here mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's it there's always so many factors to in play and this is why it's a good idea to get everything dialed in nice you know get those other factors sorted before you start adding these additional ones like uv lights i would uh, yeah free mm -hmm. said i think it might have encouraged a, more resin production but some tops definitely got a tan. Uh, less is more when starting. I also alternate which two plants it hangs over each day to limit the stress. Nice, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, sounds good, man. So it's definitely something you can add. And I know I keep saying that, but of course it's up to you. It's up to you. It's just one of those things. But the downsides would be it's more equipment that you have to fucking play with. More electricity that you're gonna burn. More, more electricity. Yeah, you could get sun burn off it if you if you're not be careful. Yeah. You know when you're yeah, there no, just like watering your plants, fucking well, soaking up runoff, doing the trimming session. You know that trimming session you do. Yeah. You, we get the lollipop. You could be in there for a couple yeah. of hours, man. Imagine your UV lights on that whole time. Just get blasted. Yeah. That <laughs> could damage your eyes long term. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, mm -hmm. be careful with these things as well. They're not toys. Make sure you slip, slop, slap before mm. you uh, get in there and do that. 
but from what I've seen, it looks like these do produce a little bit more frosty buds. And, you know, sometimes a little bit, 10% more frosty, I'll be happy with, you know? Well, I take it's, 10% for sure. 1% yeah. I may not chase, but 10% mm-hmm. I'll chase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah 10% is not bad. Yeah, 10, 10% extra. I mean, of the bud, so you're getting like a 25% strain. So 10% of that is like 2% extra THC, you know, like that mean, that's what I mean. So it'd be like 25%, no, 27% rather than 25. I know that's very high, but it's just an example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's one more thing I may have to look into eventually, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to beat, beat the, uh, myself to the store trying to find one of these tomorrow. Eventually I'll get there. Yeah. The Dutch Passion says it increases terpenes 18%. Mm-mm-mm. It's getting that's a, a lot. Getting, that's a lot of my arms getting twisted here. You know, terpenes. Yeah. Man, your arm doesn't need to be twisted. You've talked yourself into it. We've got to talk you out of it. <laughs> no, just, just a contortionist. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you, what do you all think, man? Would you do it then, Bob? Or are you thinking this is something you know, you're going to be looking for now? Um, I mean, look for a hundred bucks. I might give it a crack, but I. Look again. I'm I'm more than happy with what I'm producing, so I'm I'm not stressed about adding a little bit here and there. Um, there's other things I'd change before I went into UV. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, I'd I'd be going more into messing with more of the the organics and uh, microbes mm-hmm. and things like that before I started worrying mm-hmm. too much about about this. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, environments, I, I tend to mess with my environment more than I do my inputs. So yeah, I mean, I, I could down the road, see myself doing it. I've, I've got the big SE 7,000, so it's possible. What do you think, Marge? Uh, for me, it probably wouldn't make sense at this point in time. And yeah, probably wouldn't make sense just with the setup that I have it. My indoor setup right now is super small. But it's interesting because, again, a lot of the times I have this theory, like if you want to improve on something, sometimes it's like 10%, 10%, 10% will get you to where you want to be. So, you know, if you're seeing an increase, was it somebody said 10% in terpene production or mm. resin production or whatever, then, and then you add that another strategy and another strategy, then you got some pretty fire weed in the end. That's it. Little by little, isn't it? It's a good way grow by grow. It. Are there any alternatives to UV supplements to enhance cannabinoid production? Could you use something instead of UV? Just having the right environment, you know, that's going to always make a big difference. Getting quality genetics, that's 50% of the work right there. Make sure you have that down, you know. But alternatives, you can't zap it with anything else, really, other than UV. There's no alternative to that. But good lighting, good nutrients, a good environment, that's always going to bring you nice, happy plants, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could use you could go down the IR way, because um, mm-hmm. that's that's going to produce a similar thing. But you just got to be weary of the heat. Um, it's not. It's a, a lot. What is it with the infrared, man? Because is it just because that light is more efficient to produce? It doesn't um, actually cause a stress yeah. response on the plant, does it? Or is it the the no, Emerson it, it, effect it when it, it thinks that it's nighttime and and morning because of the redness? So it'll it'll promote your stem growth. Um, it's integral for like fruit fruiting and um, node spacing and stuff like that. Um, and it will also help against pests and bacteria. So it's just it's just another spectrum, I suppose, man. You you just instead of using UV, 
you'd use IR and most lamps nowadays have the IR in it. So I I know the the HLG stuff does. Um and right. so does the spider farmer I've got. Mm-hmm. I've not and I, you know, between those and other lamps that don't have it, I can tell there's a difference. And my plants tend to be happier under lighting that has a bit of IR introduced. But mm. whether again, I haven't used UV as such. So whether it's a big difference between the two. Um, and, and I mean, most of the time they're saying to use both together to get a, a better product. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the heat that IR is the heat you got to worry about. So, yeah. But that's built into most good grow, grow lights now, infrared. Oh, yeah. 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 You should. I mean, you, you, and you'll see it too, little red bulbs. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, mm-hmm. And they're just sort of, but they're like sort of dotted along the, along the panel depending yeah. on what on they're, what and they're red they're got. not blurples everybody that's not what we mean <laughs> yeah no <laughs> yeah. yeah they're definitely red bulbs <laughs> yeah, man. What, what did you think monkey you think this is something you're going to give a try i don't think we got around to asking you uh, you know down the line yeah it will be something i may give it a try but i just don't mm. I don't I'm, I'm kind of like bubble hawk i don't see the benefit of investing the money for the for the tiny little bit of extra that it might give me mm-hmm. at this point Mm-hmm. Uh, but just there's other things that I can do. I think it would be a better use of my time and money to uh, try that first. Yeah. And so if you want your plants to get UV, then plant them outside in a nice sunny area and throughout midday as well, because that's when the UV is going to be the strongest. So that's when you want the light to get to the plant. But, you know, this is just another small thing you can do to increase the quality of the end game when, you, when you're producing you know, all this fine cannabis and think, how can I make this even better? This might be an option. So give it a try and let us know. over, Of course, over at PersysGroom.com, man, show us off the UV lights if you have some. We'd like to see them in action and see what difference it makes. It's very cool. I think I might try it out at some point. Not yet, not yet, but maybe soon, <laughs> maybe soon. <laughs> Maybe soon. <laughs> but uh, any anything else to add here about uh, infrared? Like, what are the harms to the plants? Maybe, uh, yeah. I mean, we can't show you pictures because we're audio podcast here. But if you you can easily search for what UV like uh, sunburn does to cannabis plants, and you'll see the leaves just like browner, not so green. It's like they've been fried a little bit, but not too much. You know, you'd have to yeah, see. It's, it's... it looks like it's got sunburn. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to fry them with UV. Mm-hmm. And different strains will be able to take different amounts as well. So it's going to differ from grow to grow. But if you start off with five minutes and nothing happens, and then 10 minutes and nothing happens, and you know, keep stepping it up until you feel comfortable. Don't zap them too much. Well, good luck. Let us know how it goes. If anybody, no rant, that's in the news. We have rants in the news. <laughs> 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 They just want to rant for everything. Yeah, well, we've still got some list of mail questions, so maybe there'll be a, a rant coming up in one of these. We'll Ooh. see. We'll see. Uh, Fital, we'll go to the list of mail here. So we have Fital. You mention the, you often mention the three rules, but what are they? Don't tell anyone. Hide the smell. And what's the next one? Don't, Don't sell. sell. That's right. That's right. You can't sell it because that's essentially telling people. Uh, yeah. We've covered it in in more extent, like in one of the early episodes. Is growing worth it or something like that? We we covered uh, it in more detail. 
But essentially, you just got to uh, abide to the rules, man. Them three rules. And don't get greedy. It should be like, it's one of those unwritten number four rules. But the top three is uh, don't tell. So you can't tell anybody because, uh, you know, loose lips sink ships, as they say. Mm-hmm. Word will get around, man. People like to talk and people will be finding out about your grow that you don't want finding out about it. So it's just best to not tell anybody. Look at that old lady from the news. I was just going to say, she, you know, old fucking lady. accidentally <laughs> WhatsApp call, WhatsApp video call, a little plant in the background. And then, you know, I'm sure she was on a WhatsApp call with somebody she trusted. And look she'll what happened never to her. Trust, she'll never mm-hmm. trust a bridge club ever again. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's over. So, yeah. So that's uh, don't tell. And then don't sell because if you're selling, then it's just going to bring some uh, unwarranted attention See your, your door, or you know, maybe you're driving around and delivering it. If you get pulled over for all these different bags of weed, you're fucked, man. There's, it's just not worth it. Just grow your own personal supply and keep it to yourself. Nobody has to know about it, and then you'll be smoking high quality, fine ass weed all the time. Now we know you want to talk about it, and you want to tell people. Mm-hmm. So come mm-hmm. over to Percy's and join anonymously and talk to us about it. That's great. That's what we all do. We don't mm-hmm. tell nobody else. So join a forum and talk about what you did, but don't talk to your friends about it. That's right. And then the final one is the hide the smell. You got to hide the smell, man. It's simple as that. Using a carbon filter. It's uh, This is one of the biggest ways that a lot of the, you know, the big grows, this is how they get discovered. You see all the time yeah. somebody was walking past the closed down <laughs> cinema and they got a smell of cannabis and cannabis plants smell different to like weed, a baggie of weed. It, it smells different. There's a live weed kind of smell to it. So yeah, once you know it, you yeah. know it and it's inexcusable. You know, it, you, you wouldn't confuse it for something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So And, that, and uh, if, you, if you're worried, pick a strain that's not got skunk somewhere in that lineage because that good shit, luck. you just well, yeah <laughs> uh, good luck but you know what i mean like if it's a if it's a, a full skunk or a cheese or something like that that mm-hmm. shit's gonna stink man yeah like, there's there's not even a even a decent carbon filter is gonna struggle with that mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. yeah they call uh blue cheese the filter killer because yeah. you know it just gets through the filter I believe it mm-hmm but yeah, carbon filters is, is the start. You know, there's loads of different ways to reduce the smell. I think we've uh, covered that on an episode as well. But proper extraction with a good carbon filter and you hide the smell. And if you just do those things, then you should not get caught by anybody. You keep, you're keeping it to yourself and not selling it to anybody. Nobody knows about your grow whatsoever apart from you and your significant other if if you're married or, you know, long-term relationship. But new girlfriends and things like that, you see if you just meet somebody new, girlfriends or boyfriends, whichever way it is, don't tell them either. You know, you got to really wait a while before you can trust somebody like that. You see... When you grow, has yeah, been busted yeah. by your ex. Mm-hmm. You don't want to yeah. go there. You have to be very careful of that shit too. But, you know, just, just remember, nobody needs to know about it, man. The people you come to talk about your weed with are over at persysgrowing.com. Come and talk to us. We're all in the same boat. Don't tell anybody else. Don't tell Larry down the pub during a game of darts on a Friday that you've got four <laughs> stinky blue cheddars growing in your tent. It's not a good idea. It's not mm-hmm. a good idea. Because soon they will be Larry's good. fucking plants. All right. Yeah. Because when you share that bud and it's so damn good, they're going to ask you where you got it. Just so you know about mm-hmm. it. That's all you got to say. 
Yeah, it ain't it ain't always just about having that knock on the door from the boys in blue. It's it's mm-hmm. people ripping your stuff off too. So That's right. Oh yeah. And that happens heaps. It's yep. it's one of those things like especially if it's a gorilla grow or something like that. You know, just just when you're getting ready to harvest and you come through and it's been absolutely destroyed by someone else coming through and cutting all the heads off. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Just be careful out there. Just you know, understand that it's not just the police you have to be concerned of. It's that those BMX bandits, as I like to call them. BMX so bandits. BMX bandits, man. They just the I mean the police are one thing, that's gonna be a bit shit, but you know, the, the police aren't gonna come in and stab you. It, you know what I mean? I mean they might, but it's a lot less chance, isn't it? The screw bandits might though. Yeah, uh, the, the screwdriver the bandits, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or as if you're in London, you know, it's bad down there. But anyway, and then we have another question here from Woody, and he asks a bit of a controversial question here. What is the best pizza? Mm, wood fire. Pizza. Barcelona. Pizza. You, you, you get all the cheese on it. In oh, Barcelona. God. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. That didn't even taste like real cheese. Though. I like my cheese to have flavor. It didn't even I think taste like real pizza either. It was so, my, so my favorite. Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat most pizzas, man. I, I'll do like the Hawaiian with anchovies sometimes, but I don't have that very often anymore. Because my favorite is just straight up pepperoni pizza, man. You know that shit? Just pepperoni, oh. man. Pe- you know, obviously, with the cheese and tomato sauce and all that. But pepperoni pizza, that, that's just. It, if it was good enough for the turtles, it was good enough for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Marge? What's your favorite pizza? Uh, I do like a thin crust pizza. Mm. Hawaiian's okay, but not my go-to by any means because, you know, pineapple doesn't really belong on pizza. There, I said it. But... Yes, yes. <laughs> no, it does. What's wrong with you people? Of course it does. I mean, I'll I mean eat the... it, but I'll never order it. So, you know. But I yeah. actually was at a restaurant last fall that's it was like an Italian restaurant. And that's all they did pretty much was pizza. And they had like over 100 pizzas on their menu. Oh, so good. So I love a thin crust with really good ingredients, whatever they might be. Mm-hmm, What's what mm-hmm. I'm feeling like. I love mushrooms on pizza, too. Oh, not the oh. just the, you know. Eh, eh. <laughs> what about you, monkey? It sounds like you're not a pineapple guy either. Oh, heck no, man. <laughs> uh, I, I'd usually prefer, I, I guess, more the stronger flavored ingredients like the anchovy and the jalapenos and feta cheeses mm-hmm, and things mm-hmm. like that. I don't mind the high flavors on those things. I don't I, I don't like a pizza that's just bland. Cheese pizza, why bother? You know? Right. Or, <clears throat> right? Yeah. I mean, that's calories for nothing. Give me something to worry about here, you know? You know yeah, but you get uh, you get them like four cheese pizzas and shit. I don't know, eight cheese pizzas. They've got these different uh, kinds of cheese on there to mix up the, the flavor of it. You can Wouldn't throw on like an olive or, or yes. a or something. <laughs> yes. yeah. Some little meatballs so or something. Yeah. <laughs> this restaurant had a hundred different pizzas on their menu. Do you mm-hmm. know how many combinations there were? It was a, it was mind-blowing. Wow. Uh-huh. So yeah. if what are you saying, cheese, Bubble? You right. said barbecue one, sir. Right, I'm, sounds like I'm, he's prepared a speech. Hold on. I'm in the I'm in the camp that I do believe pineapple does belong on pizza. Oh, and nice. I do like I do like a ham and pineapple pizza. However, if I'm gonna choose, it's wood fired, yes, and it's roast chicken, mushroom, and onions, 
and a little bit of feta cheese over the top with some fresh thyme, a little bit of basil if you're feeling I would, saucy. I would fuck with that for sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had a pizza so yeah. far, but I wouldn't eat. I'd eat anyway, so. <laughs> you know, I have a slice of everybody's, all right? <laughs> I think you know, a lot of times the key with the pizza, though, is not you know what kind's the best, but who makes it the best because mm. – uh, yeah. yeah, I have that discussion in my house, man, because I, I prefer Pizza Hut. I like Pizza Hut. That's my shit. But the missus prefers Domino's. And so do the kids, the kids prefer Domino's as well. And it's like, but Pizza so Hut get... pepperoni pizza, that's just <laughs> delicious, man. But, but you don't get your way very often then. Oh, overpowered, man. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> Wife, four kids, like, like really, really just don't get a choice in much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe on one, one Father's Day, you'll get your choice on that, huh? Okay, they'll give me the illusion Mackie. of choice. That's what we they'll can, do. We can, eat, we can eat Pizza Hut tonight, Mackie. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Just, just a Domino's yes. box with Pizza Hut written yeah, exactly. sharply across it. <laughs> <laughs> Better yet, a Domino's box with a Pizza Hut pizza inside. Who you don't know the difference? Make, you know, make him choose it. Yeah. I would know the difference, man. There's just something specific about that. That you know, what I'm saying outlawed pagan is gonna be their Pizza Hut. What's everybody saying in chat? What? What's your favorite one out of Domino's or Pizza Hut? Which one are you ordering from today? Well, the crazy. We always find around us that different franchises will have different qualities. So uh, mm-hmm. it all depends. As as one uh, Pizza Hut we won't order from, and as one Domino's that's absolutely ridiculously good. So I mean, you never know. The thing with Domino's is it's got that garlic and herb sauce. Mm-hmm. You know that one with the green lid? Man. I, I remember when cream. Domino's was the bottom of the barrel, though. It used to be the cheapest pizza. The only reason you ordered it because you could get it in 30 minutes or it was free. Yeah, yeah. Just cardboard covered in cheese, man. That's pizza what it was back in the day. But yeah, pe- Domino's people... isn't that bad. Here, that's no, little... It's not bad. Yeah. Little yeah. Caesars is the cardboard covered in pizza sauce. It is now, yes. It used to yeah. be what, two, two pizzas for $5 is what it used to be back then. Like, <laughs> I think it still is. I wouldn't know. Oh, it's ridiculously yeah. cheap. How can you do that? It's got to be cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. High quality ingredients are not to be found there. No. <laughs> it's a great question there, Woody. <laughs> yeah. I know it would turn into a fucking discussion. 20 minute segue. <laughs> you, get, you get stoners talking about pizza for sure. You can have Right. Something. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> now do I want do pizza? want that pepperoni. You know what you He's ordering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So we've got a couple of questions here from Fight. Have you got a couple of questions? Uh, no, I think it's a whole question. It's just a long one. Okay. How do I implement the bacteria or the mass which the KNF IMO bacteria has formed onto into my soil? And is it safe to plant seeds into straight away or does the soil cook first? Right. Where do we handle this from first? You want to talk about the KNF bit first with the IMO bacteria, Mucky. How do you get that added to your medium? I haven't added it to my medium yet. I'm still in the process of going through the chain of IMO. Um, it can, right. you, there, there are ways you can incorporate the IMO into your media without going further. Uh, you can try to go down to the liquid IMO patch. Uh, but when you start doing that, uh, if you're following the tutorials that are made online for, for uh, like the IMO3 liquid IMO kind of situations, you're going to be needing some other materials like OHN or oriental herbal nutrients and even I, even um, fermented plant juices and things such as this 
in order to brew these things. So it, it becomes a roadblock. Uh, I don't have an answer exactly. Once you go, once you collect the IMO, you're at IMO one and where the chain goes is from IMO one to two to three to four to five being used. So you have steps of collection to get into KNF. And this is what I, I was not aware of at first when I started the process. All these KNF listeners that are out there going like, well, monkey, you're stupid, but not even knowing this. Well, I was very naive, but I mean, I'm, I'm up to IMO2 and I'm now eyeing IMO3. IMO1, what you do with it is you take that mass that you've collected. It's going to be a gelatinous, fuzzy kind of white, maybe green and white mass that you've collected on, on your rice trap. And you're going to mix that with equal parts brown sugar. You're going to gently massage that sugar into the, into the mixture. You, you don't want to break it up too much, but you want to try and basically coat almost every rice granule with the sugar. And you're going to put that aside. That's going to stabilize it, shelf stable. And then you have to do this seven times because you're going to take seven different IMOs and going to put this together. And that's going to, that's going to get you to IMO three. So you need to go to Chris Trump's channel and, and, and start, start watching videos is the best thing I can tell you. That's where I'm at. And I'm so deep in it right now. I'm over my head. <laughs> I started looking at uh, how to make the OHN and that's a six month process uh, with relatively, uh, it's going to be not really overly pricey, but let's say you're going to have to, you're going to have to put out a few nickels to, to get into that. Cause if I'm going to make the OHN oriental herbal nutrient, I have to have five jars to do this in. So five quart jars would be a small way to do it. In order to do that, that's going to be five quarts times one and a half. I need that much pure vodka to do it. I need one jar. I need uh, probably two or three pounds of garlic, two or three pounds of of uh, ginger. I need uh, angelica roots, cinnamon, cinnamon bark. There's a lot of different co components in there to get to this uh, this OHN uh, before you can even get to make your liquid IMO to put this back in the process. So. The bad news yeah. I'm giving you is it's a really great process, but it takes a while to actually develop everything to where you can flip the switch and be in, in uh, 100% organic KNF. It mm -hmm. takes a while. Yeah, man, I hope that helps you there, Fire Top. It's a long process, man, but it'll be worth it when you get to the end. And of course, Monkey is documenting all of this over on Persis. Some of it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I need oh, right, to document man. some more because, yeah. But uh, right now, the situation I'm, I'm at, I'm in an impasse here. It's been so dry that my IMO collections have not been good lately because it's too oh, dry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I need to get some rain. I need to get the the the, the fungus and, the, and the, the bacteria up closer to the surface in the moisture where I can collect it again. So as soon as I get that going again, I'll get back on my IMO. But that's where Sweet. I'm at. He did ask as well, um, is it safe to plant seeds straight away or does the soil cook first? You can cook. plant, yeah, you can plant cook. it in straight away, but the, the soil is going to be really fucking hot, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you go to Chris Trump's channel and, and watch him with the IMO, talk about making IMO uh, three and four, mm. uh, he'll talk about after you mix and inoculate this material, which is what you're going to be doing with your soil, you're going to be inoculating with the IMO, that it does get hot and it does, the reaction starts as you supercharge your microbes is what you're doing. Mm. So yes, he, he does say you, you let it cook for a couple of days at least, you know, let that heat come down before you can start messing with it. Right, so wait before you put any seeds in there. Yeah, wait a couple of days. Make sure, that, yeah, see if it gets hot and, and make sure it, if it does start getting hot, make sure it comes cool down first. Okay. Most of the stuff in the KNF, 
most of the things that you're using are already uh, fermented and composted, things like that. So once your bacteria takes hold in there and gets an initial foothold, it shouldn't be overly hot for too, too long. Nice. He said he has a, an IMO box outside. He's had it for a good while. I went, had a look over the last few days, and it's furry and furry as fuck inside the box. I'm not sure if it's a simple mix in process or if he has to cook or break down the soil first. So, yeah, man, uh, take some pictures of, of the IMO box and let us see it over on Percy's. We had to see how far, because they can get contaminated easily, right, monkey? If you leave it too long, yeah, it can get red mold and black mold in it. And yes, once you get that in it, those are, those are not really the things you want. You're mm -hmm. looking for the mostly the white fuzz, and some of the green fuzz is, is good. You want uh, as little black and red as you, as you can. Mm -hmm. And that, that'll usually do really well for you at that point. Sweet. So there you go, fire top. And then we have uh, room for just one more question, I think, unless there's a couple more in chat. I'll check in a second. But this one's from Dr. Evil, who dropped it in chat. He said, what's the minimum veg time for photo period plants? Would one month be enough? Does anybody want to cover this one? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One one month is fine. Some people will flip it 12 12 straight from start. It it mm -hmm. really depends on what you're trying to do. Uh if you're trying to fill out a scrog here, as long as it takes to fill that that screen. If you're doing sea of green and you got a whole bunch of little ones, then you can flip it 12 12 straight from the start. Um, it, but it won't start flowering until it reaches sexual maturity, though. Will it? If you're growing from seed, it yeah. takes about like five or six weeks for the plants yeah. to reach maturity before flowering will actually be, begin. But if you've got a cut in from that plant, then you can flower that at any time. So, well, that's yeah, that's that's a good point. If you if you're running clones uh, from an already mature plant, then yeah, it'll the moment you flip, it'll start. Yeah, just has to have them a few weeks from seed. So uh, I hope that helps the, the question there. One month probably isn't enough if you're going from seed. It would be more like six weeks if you're going from seed. But from cutting, one month will, will be plenty. Mm -hmm. Nice four or five-week veg. Yeah, man. Yeah, decent side plants from there. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, anything that to add there, Marge? You got anything to add? No, one? not really. I mean, yes. I, I've been doing a lot of micro-grows, so I'm flipping the, to the 12-12 uh, light cycle pretty quickly. But right. that's because they're being kept intentionally small mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah again it depends on what your outcome is and if you're doing it from seed or clone or mm -hmm. and you can't do it with autos you know that, that you're just going to have to wait for that one to do its mm -hmm. thing which is going to be four to five weeks before it starts <clears throat> that mm -hmm. process anyway so mm -hmm. right so look at everything we covered there what did we what did we cover we covered the free rules you know the important shit man the best pizza of course and we all agreed that it was the uh the pepperoni uh that is not what i agree <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that's what i heard in the end uh, yeah and then fire top there with the imo and of course with the imo and that kind of stuff the fire top i mean we we can explain to a certain extent but we highly recommend you check out all that shit on chris trump's channel and you'll get all the information needed about all of the knf techniques over on there and of Absolutely. course, on Perseus as well. Ask ask for help if you need any help. Check out his videos first, and then yeah, veg time. It just uh, depends on seed or cutting. But that's about uh, everything, isn't it? I think. Is there anything to add here? Anything to add about UV? 
you know, just be careful. If you do use UV lights, don't get sunburn from them. Don't sit underneath them. Use good eye protection. You know, just be careful when you deal with these kind of lights because they're not like a normal light bulb. This emits shit that will damage your skin. But that's about it, I think. Nice. Let's go to the outro. Should we go to the outro? Anything else? Let's do it. We're good. Let's do it. And there we go, everybody. That was this week's Grow Guides. As I mentioned, we need ideas for future episodes of Grow Guides. So if you think that we have missed something in the series so far throughout the whole lot of the 80 episodes, then do feel free to let us know. There's loads of different ways you can get in touch with us. The best way is over on percysgrowroom.com. Make sure you're a member over there. Then you can message any one of the panel members and give us suggestions on what episodes you think we should be covering in the future episodes. But I think we're going to try and get to episode 100 with the Grow Guides and then wrap everything up and maybe start again from the beginning and maybe do something different. We still haven't fully decided on what we should be doing yet when it comes to the end of Grow Guides. If you have any suggestions for that as well, then do let us know. This is your show as much as it is our show. We are just the guys with the microphones. But the listeners are a big part of this show. And if you think there is something else we should be doing, then let us know. It's always good to hear from you guys. It's always good to hear feedback so we can make the show better. So let us know what you think. Give us some suggestions on episodes. And as always, thank you for being here and downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate every single download. So I hope this information has been of some use to you. And we'll catch you on the next one. Stay high, stay safe, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.